it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? Terrible. Yeah, it took my kidneys. Both of them. Oh. That's not ideal. You're supposed to keep one of those, I think, right? Yeah, you usually keep one on hand at all times, and the other one in the freezer is a backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But somebody got the keys... I mean, the one on me was pretty easy to find. Mm -hmm. I'm very surprised I didn't wake up, but, <laughs> you know. Well, um, I guess we should we should probably jump right in then, because I don't know how long you can live without kidneys, but I think those are pretty important. No, I found some backup kidney beans ah. that I've just, I'm eating slowly and hoping for the best. Gotcha. It's just, it'll just grow into a full-sized, large kidney bean in your body and that's i have said so many times i am not a scientist mm. i'm just doing my goddamn best you know <laughs> right i i like that i like that as an excuse for pretty much anything right <laughs> regardless of what circumstance you're in you're just like you're sitting there you've got like a bloody axe you're standing over someone on the ground you're like i am not a scientist i'm just doing my best <laughs> We'll get that splinter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's fair. I do, yeah. I do occasionally find myself in a situation where, like, I might do something a little bit dumb or not smart. Usually, if I'm doing something dumb, it's for a meme, uh, because mm -hmm. I think that's funny to emulate somebody who just doesn't have the forethought. Um, right. But then there are other times I just honestly maybe don't know. Um, mm. It's always like when that's approached with like a, a benefit of the doubt thing instead of like, I'm just actually maliciously that stupid. Right. There's a reference I'm missing, not you're having a stroke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a a fine think, line in between. Yeah, it's definitely good to like weave that a little bit so you maintain the goodwill of the people around you to give you the benefit of the doubt without yourself becoming the person that it's just like this person's always online or something like that meme lord 24 7 whatever the heck um yeah i, I really like the jumping back and forth mm -hmm. yeah the the place that's always safe is the call and response game i think and i can't call say and that mockery someone thinking call and mockery <laughs> call and barrel, yeah. um but that that's that's the space someone says something and I can't even think of any of them off the top of my head. And there's an immediate follow-up of, okay, here's here here's the uh, the other part of the line. No, it's uh, one of those beautiful examples of memetics as a whole mm. and how humans communicate with each other. Uh, but it's nice to have like some in-humor. I just like when the in-humor comes up intermittently. Like I hate right. when something gets beat to death. Yes. It's like for a week, everyone's like, yeah, I'm like, you got to stop. Uh huh. But when it comes up and it's been like a year or two, I'm like, hey. Mm -hmm. I think one one example of that that was kind of like in the process of being beaten to death was like the uh, uh, when Chris Pratt was the voice of Mario when that was announced. Because I didn't really like that didn't really research too much once the movie came out, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But it's like everybody was just talking about it. And it's just like, it's a me, Mario. Right, like they just everyone had an impression or something like that, and um, yeah, it's it it. I don't think it got as bad as like the Arnold Schwarzenegger get to the choppa or something like oh that. Oh my god, it's that just was so trite at this point. That was so much of high school times. Yeah, Not, I just now hear anytime I hear Chris Pratt's name come up. Oh yeah, has Chris Pratt? He's so cool, and like it's oh, just it so gets cool. appended to his name now. It's just mm -hmm. he's so cool. He's so cool. That's a much better example. But you know who else is so cool? Ice Cube. Ladies. <laughs> I <Yeah>. say no ladies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, uh, I'm going to abandon that segue. This episode, we're talking about Valve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, depending on where you're at and depending on where they're at, I think that's that's a fair take. Would you say it's it's safe to say that they've had a pretty big impact on at least PC gaming, if not gaming as a whole? 
hot take option. It's so hard for me to disagree. not say yeah in the exact same way again. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> David's de- actually not definitely, here. Definitely, definitely, yes. <laughs> he left. I took yeah, and I'm going to be pasting it into the rest of the episode. And when I get to, like, the Dota 2 segment, I'm just going to mash it three times. It's just a soundboard. <laughs> Dave's weirdly non-confrontational this episode. What's up with that? <laughs> I just reverse yeah for, <laughs> for, for a negative but I mean, um, I think everybody would agree that yes, they are very huge in the PC gaming space at least, mm-hmm. uh, because pretty much everyone who has been playing on PC games has had Steam, and that's primarily where, where they get their games from. Like that's yeah. the go-to client. Um, so obviously, like they have their games on there, and then they've been hosting so many other games on that platform as well, and it's been like the main thing for such a long time that yeah. when the Epic Store came out, we were shitting on it. But we're like, oh man, maybe this will like kind of drum up some competition and make Valve do a better job with Steam. And it didn't happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, don't, I can't speak to how of... the Epic Store is doing, but like, nothing with Steam dr- drastically changed, to my knowledge. Yeah, I mean, Steam isn't giving out free games or two free games every week, right? Like that's that's kind of just the way to put it, right? There's. Do you think companies do that just because? No, it's because they need the market share. They got to pull people back. But that that's true. Be... I I think it it always says a little bit more about your business if you don't have to offer free incentives for something mm-hmm. as like a get you in the door hook. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, like they were um, starting out in comparison to Steam, that's been established for ten, fifteen years. Oh, yeah. Um, And we actually have some dates. I'm going to go into them here. I just realized I missed one of the very important start dates. So Valve was founded in 1996, which is even longer than a hot minute ago. Um, And the really brief, I'm not going into a lot of history because I'm going to get the facts wrong, but it was founded by two people, Gabe Newell uh, or Gabe N, as he's known today. Um, and Mike Harrington, and they both came from Microsoft. Um, I guess they worked on like Windows NT or some such. Nobody cares. Nobody knows what that is. We're a gaming podcast. Um, but uh, <laughs> they're. <laughs> I I have a dumb joke I like to insert at this time. Sure. Uh, what what PlayStation can't Microsoft Windowsn't. Yeah, that is that is the type of joke Microsoft would have made back in those days because it was it was very dry. Um, but yeah, they they had a lot of ambition and they were like, "Hey, we're pretty good at what we do, right? Couldn't we do more with this?" And they went off and they made Half Life. Um, I believe Half Life was in development for two years then, so that would have been ninety eight, I think. Um, and uh Mike at that point was like I'm good because he actually put a lot of effort and heart and soul and all of that into Half-Life and there was an interview with him where he was talking about um if he didn't like he was concerned about doing that again for another game and potentially having it risk failure right yeah. in this case would have been like Half-Life 2 and I mean fair um yeah, I don't understand how people go from like these major projects to another major project when mm-hmm. like a great example Omori was singularly developed by uh, an individual and oh, they okay. spent like seven or eight years I don't want to credit them I don't want to credit this person <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah sorry it was Omicat. Um but like they spent seven or eight years just working on that mm-hmm. and then like how do you find something else like I'm going to pour that much time and devotion into it at the same level i guess inspiration which i've never had but it it is impressive to say the least i mean it's it's tough right like we have a lot of examples of games that are like they basically exist in this post-digital distribution live service model one way or another even if it's not a traditional like battle pass more money in our pocket type system where it was a passion project that just underwent development forever factorio was like that stardew valley was like that um, there's a lot of games out there that escaped the early access hellhole, <laughs> actually launched, and then continued to see content. Um, 
but yeah in this case mike was in a very good spot financially so he's like i am gonna go get a boat and travel the world with my wife or something like that i don't know if it was the world but go boating essentially so he did that um and that's pretty much where his wikipedia article essentially ends uh that was his in- involvement um gabe gabe newell said that he uh it was isolating when mike left and i can get that if you're like a two-person founded company and then you start to bring in some yeah. other people and stuff and then your co-founder leaves it's like oh well, it's hope... just me now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i hope he was not the magic right <laughs> um but uh no i mean they went on to make um half-life 2 and steam uh half-life one or half-life episode one half-life episode two and then the orange box and that was all over the early 2000s until they little little past the mid 2000s um and that I, alone was gigantic yeah mm-hmm. like people still talk about the orange box to this day because for the time it was an insane amount of value oh yeah because it's like was it actually 50 dollars it was time? 50 us dollars yeah but it had and for I think three different games right uh yeah but the uh it had both half-life episodes episode mm-hmm. one and episode two and then half-life two and the half-life episodes were actually standalones like you could consider those basically individual games they were so more than a crappy dlc so at least two games there mm-hmm. portal itself was part of the orange box yep team fortress 2 as well which the big one for me but yeah which would later become free but like <laughs> yes um like they were it- majorly impactful because there wasn't anything else like it in that space that had that much personality mm-hmm. like first person shooters existed uh, but typically it was some triple a publisher trying to pipe down like pipe down's not the right term mm-hmm. uh, was trying to down, like down pipe <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> was trying to do things like goldeneye like hey here's an existing ip something you're familiar with and now you can play it using like yeah. some shitty controls um but i would say the tf2 and half-life really helped make fps better yes from a pc standpoint and it's definitely worth noting early and probably often throughout this but valve is like they tend to take things and then just like refine it and refine it and refine it i'm gonna make a comparison to some of the older blizzard games where they did that, but the difference is Valve also injected innovation, right? So, like, we, we skipped past, half, past Half-Life 1 pretty quick, but, like, that was a big deal in PC games um, back then because, every like, there was a bunch of shooters, but there were shooters like Doom where you just, like, run around killing things. Um, maybe there's a little bit of exploration. Maybe there's, you know, a, some story that you can divine from the strategy guide or the instruction manual or whatever the crap. But Half-Life, Half-Life was straight up, they started in a non-combat sequence of you on that tram, like, having a conversation with another person or being the recipient of a conversation. Gordon Freeman doesn't have many true dialogues, um, being a silent protagonist. And then, like, you spend a significant amount of the game just walking around going into this facility because your job is to, like, push some sort of science material into a reactor essentially and that's that's literally just his job right and then yeah, everything is just a scientist explodes. yeah but that's the thing like it's actually a good example of world building and i think mm-hmm. i mean outside of like Dave sex um a lot of games struggled to kind of get off the the ground running with that mm-hmm. uh, but actually just like hey we want you to give a shit about the environment you're in. We want yeah. you to want to explore and uncover like the mystery of the game and what's happening in universe versus just we'll feed it all to you. Kill, kill these things. Exactly. And it, it had a lot of justification. There was characters and like an FPS that would talk to you and they would recur. Um, it had some puzzle solving, you know, which I, I think some other games also had some measure of puzzle solving, but I mean, compare this to, like, Quake, right? Because, like, this is coming off of Quake, essentially. Does um, Quake have a story mode? <laughs> it's 
so technically it has a story in the way of um you're working your way through levels and then there's a final boss at the end and then there's like a congratulations message but until you actually saw that congratulations message you don't maybe didn't know what your overall objective was right mm-hmm. but half-life has characters like gordon like alex um i almost said that the doctor's name is steiner but i think it's something else it's like steinman steinman i think steinman is from bioshock make me pretty steinman i don't remember the doctor's name but i can remember his voice because he's in every gmod creation ever but oh gordon no that's (laughs) a terrible impression (laughs) that was actually not bad i think that was good um but uh yeah it, it was the start of a story basically which people didn't really go to fps for prior to half life But, again, what I mentioned earlier, and I want to repeat, they do a really good job of injecting uh, personality into things. Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely talk about this more throughout other games, but, like, Portal, for me, was the standout one. Yeah. Um, it just, it had so much. Because they gave you kind of little to nothing. Again, silent protagonist, explore, figure out your puzzle game. And your only overarching voice or narrative is really from Gladys. And you're like, okay. Like, she's kind of, like, funny and tyrannical. Um, but, like, the more you play, like, the more things develop. And then they expl- expanded that so fucking much with Portal 2 when that eventually came out. But but even with TF2, having, like, the different classes, mm-hmm. like, they had personality. It wasn't like, uh, I use this gun instead. Yeah. Oh, it's like, right. they had, like, introduction trailers for, like, I'm this character. Mm-hmm. And, like, nobody's ever going to confuse, like, the heavy with the spy, you know? Right. It was all very distinct, which is nice. Yeah. And it's... This this kind of goes back to my argument of Valve improving these things. Because, like, Team Fortress 2, there was a Team Fortress. And it was, like, Team Fortress Classic. And I think it was literally a Quake mod. Uh, if it wasn't Quake, it must might have been Source 1 or something like that. But, like, there was not a massive difference between kind of this old quake engine and source one if you look at the games and things like that they're fairly Mm -hmm. similar um and a lot of these run like their two-year release cycle right like which seems absurd now once we get to modern valve the idea of like a two-year release cycle for game is crazy but things were moving pretty rapidly back then and i mean game development kind of had to right you can't have people live in a basement with no food or water for so long before you have to ship something right um and yeah orange box is around when i i I actually got in uh for steam my my steam account was created in 2008 and orange box came out in 2007 um and so i had kind of had the backlog to to go back through and play but like yeah tf2 characters to second your point so freaking good love the spy and even gabe newell's commentary note is like and my favorite class is the That's spy, the is spy. <laughs> it's still burned into my head um but their interactions have basically been like timeless to the extent that literally when overwatch dropped people were like these characters don't really have the same identity as the characters from tf2 and that's with they were they're more of like I don't want to say vague tropes because like they still have personality like with their voice lines and interactions and playstyle, mm-hmm. but it's not as distinct. Because I think you could a lot of the tanks kind of overlap a little bit, yeah. As far as like I am this person, or mm-hmm. the, the feminine version of I'm this person. Right. Um, I think part of it was because like. And this, this is going to come come back, but Valve playtests things a lot, and that might be one of the reasons why it's hard to ship some products. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> um, but they, uh, the the universe for TF2 is incredibly pared down, right? Like, Overwatch is trying to tell you, like, these characters have interactions because there's this big story and all this stuff going on. In TF2, like, they released some comics over the years that flesh things out a little bit, but there's not this big like overarching goal or something that no, we're building to some grand event it's two teams and two spawns with the exact same faces and different color uniforms um yeah so it literally just it. became the reds versus the blues yeah um, red team blue team that's all it is 
They actually had their own spin-off show, uh, weirdly enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was... I was, I was just going to say on the red-blue thing. I literally remember now... Um, there was one in the one of the arcs was because the uh, one of the demo men was friends with the opposite color soldier, um, and that's I, I I remember there was an arc related to that. It was kind of funny, and it led to a community challenge where um, the side the one that got the most kills on the opposite class got an update, and then the other update came later. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. Yeah, they're good at uh, keeping things minimal as needed. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to end up talking about Dota, but Dota is something where, again, it was initially a mod from Warcraft 3, and there's like, oh, we're, we're using these assets. Oh, we need to give them a thing. Um, they're all fighting in an eternal battle. And then they're like, let's never update that again and yeah, just be like, we have the that's the thing. Yeah. And they'll expand on some of the individual characters to give them, like, profile more of, like, a sense of who that character is and that like their play style maybe but they really don't go into a whole lot of extra stuff like they will do additional con like they still made comics for dota which i think i have a book of and they even made it technically an animated tv show but i don't think any of that's canon um yeah they really don't flesh out things unless they really feel that they need to that's maybe been part of their part of their 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 fault here right because we do have to eventually talk about the uh the half-life controversy and i believe i asked you some years back um we had a not an episode on valve specifically but i think it was pc games and i asked you if you'd ever played half-life and i think the answer is no not the original i have played half-life 2 episode one two okay I i was like if you say three i'm gonna press x to doubt a little bit of sus on that uh-huh he's like no it was great and you go on about like all the plot and the story and stuff and this becomes our most popular uh episode ever released because for some reason dave played a game that never released and the entire world wanted to play it i'm just um, recounting like you don't know but like i'm just i just have an article up here for like starcraft ghost plot and mechanics uh-huh. and i'm just like i'm just reading off that and you're like oh, okay yeah it was um like half-life is basically it, they were Valve's baby. Like, that was their primary IP. They had this commitment to keep the story going. And Episode 1 and Episode 2 had only one year between their releases, which is absurd. You will never see that again uh, no. in the rest of the history that we at least go through here. Um, until we get for Left 4 Dead. And then you'll see it right then. But <laughs> that doesn't count. Um they brought Portal in, like you mentioned, and that was the first one they brought in. They uh, basically had a team of developers demo something for them, and Valve was like, "That, that's really cool." And then they just like wrapped them in like a big Gabe Newell bear hug, and then they carried them into the office, and that happened several times in the in the course of Valve's history, where they're like, "That's really cool. You're really far along on this compared to us. Join our company." Um, I mean, if you are able to actually recognize talent and then work with it, I think that's a skill in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think you do need to have some basis initially before you can just say, oh, this is good versus this is bad. You need yeah. to have gone through the trenches a little bit first to say, oh, I know. Yeah. Versus just getting uh, upselled. Upsold? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... Like, there's other examples of people that do this now. Like, Devolver is a good example of a publisher who sees potential in indies and gets them across the finish line. But um, when you're talking about the big guys, they don't do this nearly as much, right? Like, Activision or EA, they tend to buy studios that already have really established IPs because they kind of have proven value. And Valve has not traditionally cared as much about proven value. Um, probably because they can lean on Steam, which we mentioned came out. Um, believe it or not, that was launched in 2003. Um, and it was basically launched ahead of the Half-Life 2 distribution. And I don't think anyone liked Steam when it launched. It was literally like, what is this for? It's basically a patcher. And yeah, eventually- I mean, it. 
it didn't have as many features as it does today because now like it has options for social it has like an expansive store if you want to find something yeah uh, it's become like your repository of games you can use it to patch as well like it's the way you interact with friends and everything else in the gaming space on pc now mm-hmm. but i cannot imagine at launch that it was much more than you want to run our game here you yes. go it was it was very much a launcher for their game it was this i remember it was this like combat army green um and yeah i mean there's certain elements of the ui who haven't really that haven't really changed that much the patch ui is actually kind of similar when it's like updating but um it was it was crazy back then and it actually got them in hot water because again steam is the cutting edge on digital distribution right every but everything was physical and even when you're talking about half-life 2 which came the year the year it launched the year after steam came out like people were like i don't know if i should really trust the ability to grab this game off your platform and not have a cd for a single player game like is that i don't know um and then the way they got in hot water was their publisher was sierra back then and they had a they had a deal where sierra was publishing their physical product and valve was like oh well we'll just do the digital stuff and i guess like that must have slipped a little bit under the radar because no one has a prolific digital store sierra's like okay i guess that means we get 100 percent of the money or whatever Uh, or you know at least they get percentage of all the sales um and then uh and then they're like yeah by the way we have steam (laughs) and it's an entire platform so people can just buy the digital version of this and we're gonna give you none of that money (laughs) um so sierra was like not like that and uh they had a suit over it actually um i think they settled at some point but uh yeah it could have gone in either way it was pretty big for a while um Sierra almost got the Half-Life IP was what they were trying to get from Valve. Holy um, shit. Yeah. Which I don't think they deserve. No. When's the last time you made King's Quest, motherfucker? You get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear about Sierra much anymore because I don't think they exist. Um, at least not with that name. No, but. I I think they were primarily just doing CD-ROM games mm-hmm. yep. um, during like the early 90s and then just kind of faded out or maybe Mm -hmm. they did rebrand into something else i'm just i haven't followed up with them i think and this is me venturing into unknown territory i think their lunch was basically eaten by electronic arts and activision who just got increasing amounts of the publishing pie and sierra was just like we make adventure games (laughs) and then they just lucas arts (laughs) is like oh yes would we (laughs) (laughs) as the lights slowly turn out in the building turn off in the building um i will say i remember back in the day uh when some of those companies were kind of merging together i was like oh like that was a new thing for me at the time yeah like do you remember um when it was actually squaresoft Mm -hmm. square and uh was it something enix or was it literally just enix on their own I don't remember. Oh my I'm gosh. conflating it with the uh, IDOS. Yeah, uh, right. What was the IDOS merge either? I'm Journey actually... back to the 1990s where game companies were merging all the time. Uh-huh. I think that Wiki, I got to be able to trust Wiki on this because they love to tell you about mergers at like the very top of... Uh, Dave, that mer- of mergers everything. didn't happen in the 1990s. They happened in the early 2000s. I cool. wasn't you wrong. get a gold stu- you get a gold sticker. This is this is something that happened in 2003. Well, it's I guess it <laughs> because it's like where the the merge happened. But it was uh, Square and Enix. So, very con- their name made sense. It became Square Enix, right? It's it doesn't sound as bad to me as like Activision Blizzard does. That yeah, it's just literally two separate things. Yeah. Um but uh, Steam was a big deal, and it only continues to become a big deal as you know they publish more games. And by the time we're at the midpoint in this list, like there's so much of Valve's revenue is entirely Steam. It's it's almost entirely all of it. It's it's their main business. They can make games if they kind of feel like it because of the massive success of Steam. 
Yeah, and I I do miss them making games, mainly because like when a Valve game launched, you had the Valve logo, which was animated mm-hmm. and creepy, yeah. and was always some guy who has like an actual Valve jammed into some part of his head. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the thing for so long. You're like, oh, this is a Valve game. Oh shit! And that's how you knew it was gonna be good. Yeah. And then they stopped doing that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. At one point, they changed it too, and it was—I don't know if that made it more creepy or less creepy. I think that's when they added the animation. Would have been around the time of the orange box, I think, where the guy slowly kind of turns to you and then jerks back into position. Yes. Yep. I was like, "Why are you? Why are you jump scaring people with your? You don't even make horror games. Like, what is this? I guess because Raven they can. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Did you, when you got into initially playing PC gaming, did you jump in with Steam or did you use some other platform for a community? Do you remember? I mean, early days, it was all just CD-ROM in those jewel cases mm-hmm. because that's what those. we had. Yeah. You boot up the e-machines, you wait 20 minutes, you possibly boot up DOS for some games, but um, it was mainly that for a while and then some of the battle chests with Blizzard into eventually uh, hearing about Steam mm-hmm. and Orange Box. I don't think I actually got Orange Box at the time. I actually think I missed that when it was released and I wasn't able to get it. But then soon right. after, like, Portal was either free or very close to free. Got that, checked it out, and then the rest, as they say, is history. Mm-hmm. They definitely, I remember there was a promotion for, for free Portal. And the Orange Box price jump dropped not, I can't remember when it dropped, but it launched at 50 for PC, 60 for consoles. Also, they release games for freaking consoles. These people that are known for PC games. Um, and then it dropped to 12 or not 12 uh, $20 at a point. And that's still its retail price is 20 but it frequently goes to like basically free. Um, along with, you know, the whole Valve collection at this point. I mean, it's um, still worth. They should do another orange box of some of their ga- newer games since. Even mm-hmm. if it is just like a game that is free to play like dota 2 <laughs> it should be only games that are free to play <laughs> dota 2 artifact <laughs> yeah. oh man uh, dota yeah, I mean, lords yeah yeah um for me i started with xfire actually as my community and then started to switch over to to teams um Ew. It was it was the thing back then it had a lot of features that steam actually didn't have like you could share um, you could stream your game, you could take clips. I think it had like a recorder, stuff like that. Um, there was a lot of stuff. And then it had that kind of like Winamp theme look to it where it's got like the jagged edges and stuff. It was trying to be a futuristic hackerscape client, but I have, uh, I have fond memories and a lot of hours in games were recorded on Xfire cause it would track your hours played for every game. Um, and then at some point I switched to Steam primarily, and that was no longer the case. So now your actual hours are skewed. They are. Um, it's it's kind of depressing, actually. When I look at something, I'm like, this is a thousand-hour game that I put a bunch of time into. I'm like, did I... I guess Steam would always track it if it was like a Steam game, but there are other games that like I used to play when I was younger that'll mm-hmm. never show up on that list, right? Exactly. They Steam games, yeah. There's so many things on console. I would love to have a metric of more of how I spend my time, and then to be like, "What's it? Oh, that was me pooping. Okay, cool." Uh-huh. Like, or just like what the actual breakup is of your activities. Mm-hmm. It can it can get daunting at some point though. <laughs> as i know we, yeah. we, we've talked about we had an episode literally on our most played games um so no judgment no, no comment thank you thank uh-huh. you for the no judgment appreciate that uh-huh but yeah um, speaking of uh dota 2 obviously probably one of their biggest money makers at this point mm-hmm. uh, because dota 2 is i think the only game that they have that is being played internationally and has huge fucking tournaments to make them money Pun intended, I assume. Hmm. He said it's played internationally, and they have a lot of, uh, and they have tournaments. It's called, to make the, it's money. called the international. Yeah, the international. Yeah. 
we'll, we'll say that was intentional. Uh, mm-hmm. Editor, editor, please. Yeah, this was the this was the second, not second. We kind of jumped over Left for Dead. Should we circle back for Left for Dead or do that one now? Let's let's jump in Left for Dead now. Okay. Um, what were your experiences with uh, Left for Dead? Because I I remember when we had our Left for Dead episode, it wasn't just me talking. That's, that's every episode, Jake. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I have to I have to progress the narrative <laughs> throughout the episode. Yeah. I mean, Left for Dead for me was the first time I was actively that wasn't on a console like playing on uh, on a couch in the basement with friends for a split screen, typically like a Halo 2. The first time that I was actually playing online with friends and obsessed. Mm-hmm. Like the story was good enough on its own. The gameplay felt good. I liked the again the personality of the characters as they had. I uh, love playing Zoe probably, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it was the fact that you could also do a versus mode, mm-hmm. which felt crazy because typically in FPS games you're like you're the main character, go shoot shit. This yeah. is like all right. Do you want to be a zombie? You can be a zombie. And I was like, I want to be the zombie all the time. Mm-hmm. So you could fuck over other human players uh, when you're playing against 4v4. But it was just so real and new to me at the time. Like, I had a strategy to deal with, like, hordes of zombies. I just got very into it. I knew about, like, certain spots for, like, oh, this is good to gank, or we should be careful here because they're going to try and ledge you and everything else. And it was just so much. So, so much. And that mm-hmm. just carried over through to Left 4 Dead 2. So, like, for me, like that, that was my, I think, go-to co-op shooter. Yeah. For many, many years. Yeah, it was did a you, big one. Did you get deep in the paint as well? I did for Left 4 Dead 1. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it nearly as much for 2. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to subtly inject the background here for, for Left 4 Dead. This was another acquisition by Valve because it was made by Turtle Rock, which were called Valve South while they were with Valve. Um. And Left 4 Dead 1 and 2 came out within a year, I think, or maybe slightly over. It was 2008 and 2009. Um, those, are, those are Bioshock years, by the way. But um, but it was massive, right? Like, this was, this was... I had a gaming community with Team Fortress, and this one solidified it. This made it real for the platform, right? If you were playing... If you were on Steam playing games... Um, with friends and it was a valve game it was like tf2 for the most part now it's like hey people are making clans for for left for dead like it's a community we had a um a tournament we entered at one point and we did freaking terrible it was great <laughs> um i remember actually uh do i actually want to no, I'm not going to talk about the clan name because I don't know where people are at in that clan, and I don't anticipate it's still actively a major clan. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, and I don't know where it's gone since then, right? I I disavow any relationship with anything they're doing now. I disavow my connections to the clan. I <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. When in doubt, always do that. But it was uh, it was big, and the multiplayer thing. I mean, I enjoyed the single player. Single player was good. Good range of difficulties. Um, and on the hardest one, like you could lose control like things things could go to crap um but the thing that was big for multiplayer for me was they set up the game when it launched pretty much as this could be competitive and the way they did it was um by making you take turns as you went through like if you wanted to um see how you do so you have four four survival four survivors versus four infected Mm-hmm. And you're on a map. The survivors will go through first, go through first against the infected. See how far they get. Maybe you get it to the safe room, and you hear the cool guitar riff, riff, and all that stuff. Um, but then after they get wiped out, or they make it, you switch sides and see how far you can get as the opposite side. Um, and that was huge. That was that was freaking awesome in multiplayer back then because they single-handedly essentially solved the issue of balance. If you ever had a concern like, hey, boomers are way too strong. They're like warping the meta, whatever the crap. That's not actually a concern for Left 4 Dead because if you were playing against friends, you took turns. Like you each got the overpowered thing, right? Yeah, that's the thing. If you got 
if you were playing as Survivor and you got your ass kicked, um, again, I'm just going to go to like the hotel at the beginning of, I'm going to use two as the example, because I remember that map the most. Like, if you got charged out that window in the first hallway because you're dumb, you're like, okay, um, now that we're infected, we're going to try and do the same thing to them. Right. Or see, like, oh, they're definitely going to try and get this. It allowed for, like, a counterplay to a degree because you could, like, learn how the other people played and adapt to it. Oh, this person, Johnny's always lagging behind. Let's get a smoker to kind of pick him off from the back, and then we'll gank the others together. Mm-hmm. It allowed for, like, a nice PvP but, like, you also had your team play with it. Yeah. Because, like, when the survivors were on their shit and, like, going through, it's very hard. But also, mm-hmm. if the infected, like, are able to pick somebody off and you can get swarmed effectively, ooh. So it yeah. was a nice uh, shift in the scales depending on how coordinated those teams were. If I recall correctly, they even had a mechanic where um, if you were ahead in score, you would always play survivor first because the RNG was the same. So if there were some resources or something like that that the survivors found, oh, well, they're not going to have foreknowledge of that if they're ahead in score, but the team that's behind will get that advantage as mm-hmm. you run through the level. Um, and just like little things like that, it was just like we see so many complaints about balance for everything now, and it's kind of crazy to think that there was an entire game where that didn't matter, really. Um, just because of the mirror aspect now i'm not suggesting that every match of dota should be you play with the heroes that you selected and then switch with the enemy (laughs) team because that's a heavy commitment sorry guys i can only do one game of dota tonight it's gonna take me four hours Uh uh-huh and that wouldn't really be fair because all of the survivors played somewhat similarly and the the infected you get were somewhat random if you just pick, if you just learn and pick Meepo every game, you're gonna you're gonna screw over a lot of enemy games. <laughs> but also, I think so many people just because it was a new option, and they mm-hmm. were so used to traditional FPS, a lot of people wanted to play Infected. So yeah, anytime like you'd make those public lobbies, people were like Infect, Infect, Infected, and the one per- the last person's like, "Fuck, I'll play Rochelle," and uh-huh. they're like, "Okay, I will get a chance to be Infected later." Um, yes. So that was always the incentive. It would have been so much less interesting. I'm sure, again, this kind of goes back to the playtesting, but it would have been so much less interesting if you played through an entire campaign, um, like an entire set of maps, Dead Air or whatever, what have you, No Mercy, um, and you were survivors the entire time, right? N- no one would, no one would play this game because it was so much more fun to be infected, to be the agents of chaos, setting up like in the shadows, not spawning in talking in voice comms mm-hmm. and again steam was steam was uh one of the first platforms that was like for pc i should say that was like hey we're gonna like inject voice communications into all of our games didn't make as much sense in half-life um that's that's a joke i don't think they had that but uh for tf2 for left for dead it was great it was it helped build that sense of community it was also good because they had different channels for survivors and the infected so like let's mm-hmm. say you're playing in the land with people you had a specific button for like here's your all chat versus it's like hey guys we're gonna set up the lobby we'll be done in a sec and then you had uh-huh. specifically for infected so it was always fun to like play as infected and then just like in the all speak be like all right guys and they come around this court and just like let it cut out and they're uh-huh. like what what's that what's happening uh-huh, uh-huh. some mind games it was really again crazy. i spent so much time with it it was very fun yeah um I think it's sad that we won't have enough content for Turtle Rock to to have a similar episode on their things because they've had some great (laughs) ideas since then, but then some things that they didn't land. And unfortunately, I think history is kind of playing out that they probably should have stayed as Valve South. Um, But maybe at some point there will be an actual good, well-received spiritual successor for Left 4 Dead Mm -hmm. that will actually carry the torch uh, so far, it seems like the, I don't want to say imitators, but mm-hmm. the, the people who are trying to follow in that space to a degree, it's not going so good. <laughs> yeah, they were the same people. That was the problem, too. I know. I um, know. And they, they also didn't get a hit for Evolve, 
which I thought was just, it had a really cool theme. But again, not their episode. And unfortunately, their success kind of tapers off a bit here. But going to back back to what you were saying, there was a, a spark of an, an old Warcraft 3 game that uh, Valve latched onto. You want to, you want to tell us about that? Uh, I will, but I will try and go through it a little bit quickly because we've talked about Dota 2 so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, Not as much as Dark Souls, though. So. Oh, that's... Oh, speaking of, <laughs> yeah. so you have to notice here, uh, 2010 is actually when Valve hires Icefrog and Yule, uh, who is the original maker of the mod for Dota in Warcraft 3, uh, and they helped out with everything uh, and made it become Dota 2, and this released around when I was actually sophomore in college, if you want to figure out how old I am, and I didn't really pay any attention to it at the time. I heard one person mention it. I'm like, I don't really know that person, nor did I like that person too much. But I was kind of like, just blew it off. And I was playing so much League of Legends through college at the time as well. I'm like, this is my MOBA, not going back to that Warcraft uh-huh. 3 dumb shit. It's, and then at some the con- point... So the MOBA ahead. wars were like the console wars for the people who weren't yeah. there in that moment. But it was just what was new at the time for me. And I just latched on the League for a while. Um... But then I actually had a chance to check out Dota 2, and it has definitely uh, revised itself so much over time, and it keeps still having like these major patches as characters get added, they make major functional changes, but it is fucking gigantic now, uh, and it is so cool to see uh, that it's grown this much, and then it has this much of an impact. Like I have a whole other Discord server for just playing Dota with people. And they are actually better Dota fans than me because they will actually go and watch these pro games happen off of Twitch. They have commentators they like. They have players they like. They know the names of teams. When somebody gets traded, they know. Um, It's wild how much of a community and following it has for something that it seems like, like, oh, it's just some MOBA. No, it is fucking gigantic. (laughs) Yeah, I think I agree with all of that to second it there's only been one game i've ever had a watch party for actually and it was dota i've played a lot of games since then i'm recovered i have issues with mobas in general but those are uh, i I think uh the psychological problems that they help me embrace um but uh it's massive like you said and i don't think we're ever going to see a game that has the amount of support that dota has right the community is upset because, or was upset, those people have since aged out and died that we were never getting Half-Life 3. Um, but the questions of, like, is Valve ever going to support something that they make again are basically invalidated by how much Dota is supported. Yeah. And it's not like they haven't made efforts. It's just, like, it hasn't panned out. So, like... Uh, Dota Underlords was their spinoff from when they had, again, a custom game out of Dota, um, which is now like Team Fight Tactics and everything else. Like, was that auto has chess be- back then, right? Auto Chess. Team- yeah. It's gone through so many names uh, because everybody made their own version of it because it was like a, a big selling point. Like, they have their own version of that and it's fine, but I don't think it's seen major success. Uh, they tried doing Artifact in 2018, which is, again, based off of, like, Dota 2 characters and lore, but it didn't really pan out for being a success. And at some point, it just kind of died. And they're like, let's just not talk about it and move on. There was, which is sad, because there was a lot of hype for Artifact. I think even, I mean, I've played some card games digitally. You've played both physical and digital card games. Mostly, I guess it's still magic in both cases. <laughs> um, they had like Richard Garfield from from Magic, who is like one of the founders, I think, or at least a big wig there. Um, and so we're like, come on, this has got it. It's got they got name brand record. Like this has got to be good. And then literally when it launched, the um, there's the big uh, what was it um, announcement during one of their tournaments and they had the like uh the the message for it the reveal essentially and people were mm-hmm. like 
you could actually hear like the the tenor of the audience shift from like excitement to disappointment as like a gradient when people kind of figured out it was a card game <laughs> and they're like yeah yeah i i i want to commend them for trying something that's outside of their demographic space yeah because it's definitely a big leap and i applaud mm-hmm. that but i mean card games i think are so fickle because certain ones just seem to have fine mechanics and they just don't persist mm-hmm. and something as simple as like marvel snap is fucking gigantic and it yeah. only has six rounds so like i don't know where that line is for good card game versus bad but uh, this one just did not survive in the slightest yeah they can't all be fair yeah yo <laughs> <laughs> I think I occasionally think about launching it again. Um, I do too. It's even just listen to the music. It's so freaking good. I'm not sure if I remember the music that much. It's nice, very soothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dota is going to be a big thing forever. You mentioned the show. It's worth mentioning that one here as well. Um, it's kind of funny that both Dota and League did shows. I mean, the League one's better, dude. They <laughs> here's the here's the difference, right? league has so much fucking money so much fucking money and they spend it on merchandising and making so much spin-off content for their universe and ip um like they always have music videos and like also huge tournaments as well but the amount of effort that went into arcane versus the amount of effort that went into dota 2 dragon's blood Mm mm-hmm Arcane was just so good. Yeah. And Dota 2 Dragon's Blood was okay. Yeah. It technically has more than one season, but I've been told by other people on that Discord, they're like, you don't really need to check it out. It's just kind of eh. Yeah, I mean, part of that, though, is... I mean, if the narrative is bad, right? Like, are people not watching the show because the graphics are bad? That's a money problem. If the people aren't watching the, oh, the show graphics because are fine, is interesting narratively then that's a vision problem i don't think it had good vision like yeah legitimately watch season one because nobody's watched it besides me come back to me and tell me your honest tell me your honest thoughts Um, breaking uh, breaking also he dave dave was the first one to play episode three he's also the only one to watch the dota anime so if you wanted to hear about that i'm part of an exclusive club Uh uh-huh but yeah it's just I don't know. It didn't seem to have... Like, I didn't give a fuck about any of the characters really so much. Mm-hmm. The only one that I thought was, like, mildly interesting because of, like, again, uh, mute personality, so, like, you project onto them, is Marcy, who they actually brought in as a character. Which is a cool way to do it. Yeah. For sure. So I like that they did that, but... Again, I don't think making a show uh, about this video game, at least in this context, uh, just isn't really doing it yeah Mm -hmm. because like your fan base should be excited to see more content of the thing that they like yeah but both with artifact and dota 2 dragon's blood it's just like eh. yeah the the subsequent products the products surrounding artifact or artifact the products surrounding dota have not had the same market penetration for sure i i will say though i still have faceless void underwear (laughs) That's fair. That's I guess that is something. That is something. Um Yeah, the other games, even Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk's anime was really freaking good. And Dude, that drove so good. interest in something that probably didn't deserve the interest as much. The world does. Mike Pondsmith, the world that you created has great it deserves the interest. Um and for C D Project Red writers, but man, driving people back to play that game is definitely a choice. Um, <laughs> doing the devil's work uh-huh uh some of the other stuff it's it's worth noting so they eventually made half-life alex which was their vr game i heard that reviewed well but i honestly i have a vr headset and i don't normally feel too compelled to use it it's kind of high effort we could have a vr episode but it would basically be me saying i have a vr headset and i don't use it that much because it's high effort <laughs> um but Valve cares about hardware. It did seem to be like where their focus was going. They actually had failed projects leading up to uh, 
the index. One of them was called Vader. And like, I mean, they should be happy that they canceled that because Disney owns Star Wars now. And it doesn't matter how big Valve is. Disney will just walk in and kill all of them in the office. <laughs> They've oh, done yeah. it before. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't call your product Vader. Um, but the, the index is supposed to be good if you're into VR. And then eventually they made the Steam Deck. Um, which I will I've say heard really good things about. I hear good things about it as well. Um, I guess for both, but like the main thing, I because I'm I don't have either. Um, I'm very much a I'll stay on the outside until I think the the water has enough pee in it to be warm for me to go in type thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but obviously the index was a much higher buy-in price point compared to other VR. So if you just if you just wanted to try Alex, it's one thousand plus. The, the actual game itself or maybe it came with but the index came with the game and the game does work on other vr systems but index is the it's the the top tier one or mm-hmm. it was some years back when i was looking at them but when people are debating if they want to get a ps5 if they can get a ps5 for like five six hundred dollars a thousand's a big fucking jump it's so big. hard uh, and then with the steam deck Again, I have a Switch. I don't even use it for the portable aspect 99% uh-huh. of the time. Um, and I'm still struggling to use my other small emulator box that I'm playing around with in, in Minecraft. Uh, playing around with the emulator yeah. box in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's full of Pokemon games. Like every single <laughs> every <laughs> single copyrighted <laughs> thing is there in Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've heard good things about the Steam Deck. Overall, I mean, obviously, it. I assume it supports Valve games pretty well, mm-hmm. and then a lot of the indie games that I hear other friends talking about, uh, they also say runs very well on the Steam Deck, or they yep. might have to do some configuration to set it up. But I have not heard anything actively negative about the Steam Deck from my communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this came off of their. They had a controller. I can't remember what it was called, but I'm just going to assume it was called Steam Controller, um, and. They were like, all right, we're going to revolutionize basically the touchpad space. And the controller is pretty good for that. And they, they moved some of that over to the Steam Deck. So their goal was basically to be able to play a game that was like a mouse-controlled game with this kind of like dual stick or dual touchpad, in this case, approach and make it feel good. And it sounds like they, they nailed that, but I have the same caveats as you right like this would be a product i would never use because i never go anywhere and if i went somewhere people aren't going to appreciate that i'm playing a steam deck in a restaurant right like yeah <laughs> like it's funny because they had a uh, tears of the kingdom trailer and it's like of a guy who's on his commute on the train um and he's like oh i brought my switch here so i can like play this thing but also look at the, like the beauty of outside i'm like uh-huh. i don't know who fucking does that personally because yeah. like uh-huh. the people i know who have steam decks at least Mike, friend of the show, like he's not outside walking around with it. He's not like taking it out somewhere and being like, "Oh, I will also break my Steam Deck." Yeah. It's it's docked at home so he can have the game he wants to play on the TV, and he does mm-hmm. have the flexibility to like bring it somewhere else. Of like, "Oh, I'm going over to a friend's house. Oh, I can bring the Steam Deck," but again, it's usually to dock, not keep it solely handheld. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is fair, and that was the probably the reason they had Steam Link. I have one of those actually. Which was like, hey, it's on your I, Wi-Fi. I, I did, yeah. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. Um, but again, I just don't play that many. If, if it's a Steam game, if it's a game on Steam, I'm probably playing it at my PC. That's basically what it boils down to. Um, Most of the time, yeah. Also, with Steam Link specifically, I remember at an old apartment, uh, I don't think I had great Wi-Fi by any means. Uh, thank you, any internet service provider who sucks dick. Um but it wasn't like I had a huge apartment, but my computer was on one end of the apartment, and then the projector and where I was gonna like have company was on the other side. I'm like, oh, we can play games here from over there, and then right. it just was very, very choppy. It struggled a lot, yeah. So it didn't really make that gameplay enjoyable with people, right? Yeah, it can be a consideration for sure. Um, so. As we come up on the end of the episode, I would say um, there's a bunch of Valve memes, things like that. We didn't go over like Valve time. doesn't really matter. 
we could talk about their flat development process and how maybe that's helped prevented them from launching some games but it doesn't really matter they're plenty successful and they're still working on dota so that'll appease dave forever if you this is a question for dave if you could pick one game for valve to make what would it be is this within the context of their space yeah or just we'll, okay. we'll make it easier pick it pick something that they have the ip for or they bought the company at some point that had the ip so i don't want them to really flood the market i would always love another portal game mm-hmm. like ooh it's portal 2 also just had so much great personality and fun aspects and they had like a multiplayer mode that was really enjoyable um i don't think they need to really break the camel's back trying to like make something completely new and innovative mm-hmm. and have it be entirely fresh it's just the concept of portal is fun so you can add new levels to it and put it in a separate game maybe you can add another mechanic and put it in that game but i will always love those games and for me it was like very formative for puzzle solving so i'd love to see something with that i think if they did do half-life 3 now like i would be expecting a shooter i guess i don't know like i don't i don't have an expectation for exactly what i would want for that (laughs) it's a 4x space strategy game (laughs) but yeah like i i think the market's saturated enough with shooters Mm -hmm. and at this point like a lot of shooters do have story they do have some physics to interact with and puzzles so i don't know what they would make specifically that would bring a unique perspective to that so mm-hmm. I'd rather see something in the portal space. I think it's a really good answer. We didn't even talk about Portal Two. I realized um, somehow that's there was not a Portal on the list. Wait, yeah. <laughs> there was a second. You go back and play it. It's good. Um, I will say, as a brief aside, massive. Yeah, uh, this came out when I was in college, and it came out literally on my birthday. I was oh, ecstatic. Um, yeah. No, that's good. I mean, mm-hmm. you did just you know release your birthday but that's fine that's fine Uh-oh. um <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> what he meant to say is within 10 days plus or minus of his birthday no <laughs> so it was plus, plus or minus a year it was on my birthday uh-huh wait a minute yeah um but yeah portal 2 was freaking great and a massive expansion over what they did with the first game we have an episode on it if you guys want to hear more about it you can go back and listen to it um but uh but yeah I think for me, if I were to answer my own question, it's it's tough because I would love to see what they would do with Left 4 Dead 3 if Ooh. they had the confidence to actually ship it, right? Because they don't have Turtle Rock anymore. This would be a different thing, but maybe they need that fresh spin. But I'm also, these are both two disruptive picks, I think. My other disruptive pick would just be like freaking drop Team Fortress 3. They neglected the heck out of TF2 in favor of dota like the patch cycle has like fallen off a lot for tf2 Mm -hmm. and it's it's so there's still a lot of people playing it but it's not an actively developed game um and it would be hilarious to transition from the community basically having given up on it entirely to here is the the next one right and here's all these gameplay improvements and all this crap and it would actively in that space compete with other class-based shooters like um like overwatch uh, which I mean, competition's good. So my vote would be TF Team Fortress Three, would be freaking awesome to see. That would be interesting, honestly. Because yeah. I think they 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 have the potential to do a great job with it to make it an actual Overwatch competitor. Yeah, I mean they they wrote the blueprints, <laughs> so right. Yeah, it was Overwatch was was the uh, uh, let me copy your homework. I'll make some changes so people can't <laughs> tell it was it was me or it was from you um in a lot of ways not all i don't want to take all of the developers credit from overwatch but it, it it's treading the path that team fortress like created for them so um but yeah that's valve it's uh it's a company maybe they'll make some more games but regardless they're bound to continue to get my money as long as they're the preeminent digital distributor for pc 
That's it. I agree with that. If you uh, if you guys have suggestions for other companies you think would be cool for us to cover, maybe talk about, do a little bit of a deep dive, a little bit of history, a little bit of personal anecdote, you can send those into soapstonepodcast at gmail dot com, or you can join the discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. I don't think the kidney beans are working. <laughs>